Hey, y'all, I went back and forth if I should confess this or not, and I decided that the internet is forever and this information is totally Googleable. I thought this was the first time I've ever discussed greatest hits albums on my podcast. Something felt very deja vu about the afternoon. I recorded with some guy in Austin, but I kept blowing off this feeling that I had done all this before. I assured myself that it was a blog post I had written decades ago, when in fact it was an early podcast episode in 2018. So I added volume two to the title and called it a day. This episode goes out to those of you who remember 100% of the time that you have a bad memory. You're my people. Hey everyone, I'm Lindsay and welcome to the I Hate Green Beans podcast. During each episode, I'll be discussing television, movies, music, and books with friends who love pop culture as much as I do. For those of you wondering, yes, we will be talking about the Bachelor franchise. And no, I do not want to try your grandmother's famous green bean casserole recipe. But thanks for offering. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. It's episode 262 of the I Hate Green Beans podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Ray. I'm here with some guy, Austin, and this episode is brought to you by the lawn guys next door. You hear the blower? It's good to be back. <laughs> with everyone. And, uh, and, it's super and the, fun. Right. When the blower's there, it just, it's, like a, it's like a warm hug when you walk <laughs> through the door. It really is. <laughs> it's just... So fun whenever, you know, they come on Tuesdays. They don't come on Tuesdays, but yet here they are. It's It's like I never left. (laughs) Yes, we are very grateful for for long guys across the street. You go, guy. Anyway, I'm very excited about this episode, and let me tell you why. Because, first of all, I'm going to apologize for whatever lawn stuff is going on outside, but also this nasal thing that I have. The pollen has kicked my butt for the first time in my adult life. And I don't know how people with allergies do it. Well, I'm one of those people. and um, I know you are. Do you walk around with a box of Kleenex in your hand all the time? No, I don't. You know, the cedar does that to me really badly. I get really bad hay fever and just feel miserable. And um, with the oak pollen, what we have now here in in Austin, I'm I'm assuming it's more oak than cedar in Houston, Mm -hmm. too. The oak pollen just kind of gives me this, um, you know, congested upper chest feeling and then my head feels weird. Um, But I don't have the sneezing, burning eyes and the hell that Mm. I got through in cedar season. So it's a (laughs) a tough call. You know, the sad thing. So you're saying in a a scale of allergy, I've got the best one that I could have. Yeah. And and the the sad thing, I think, is that um, it's so beautiful in Austin and all Mm -hmm. through Austin all the way through East Texas because it's wildflower season. Um, everything's blooming and mm-hmm. it's just gorgeous. But, you know, the prettier it is, the worse you feel. So. It's exactly right. <laughs> that is so true. And there is this film of yellow pollen all over everything. And yeah. you'd think washing it would would help. You know, no. you, can you brush it off? No, you've got pollen is sticky. And so you have to scrub pollen off. So everybody is at car washes. Everybody has power washers on their, on their front porches. And I was almost going to do that the other day. And then I thought, why am I going to do it when more pollen is just going to drop on it? And I thought I was in the home stretch, but not clearly I woke up this morning sounding like this. So are you, um, 
Are you like me hearing Elton John's Circle of Life in your head right <laughs> now? <laughs> no, but let oh. me let me pause for a minute. Let me see if I can hear it. Mm, there it is. <laughs> Circle of Life. With a box of tissues on top of. You, fun fact. Fun fact about me and the Lion King soundtrack. I hate. Can you feel the love tonight? Wow. I hate that song. I, I'm I'm indifferent. You know, they they. What gets me is like the whole Frozen soundtrack too. Is that what's what's the big um, Let it go. Let it go. You know, it, that's a tough song to sing. <laughs> you know, she's got a beautiful voice. It's well done. Like like mm-hmm. everything Disney does, it's just well produced, and they get really talented people. But they play it into the ground, and you just get tired of it. That's how I feel about the Lion King. Let's let's dial it back to why we're here, and oh, yeah. we're going to dial it way back because whenever I approached you about this episode topic, um, you were game, and I knew you would be game without even thinking because. You are more than 40 years old. You're more than 35 years old. And so the idea and the concept of a greatest hits album invokes passion and excitement and energy in some folks in this world. And you and I are one of them because we know the power of a greatest hits album. Well, now, and it's also the thing that also intrigued me is it's kind of like a stick shift. Um, It's sort of a lost art now because you don't need a great sit album because you can just go to Spotify or, or yes. iTunes and load every, all of your favorite songs right there and make your own greatest hits album. Here's the deal about greatest hits albums. Like you just said, once upon a time, artists just came out with albums. How often do you think a really good artist would come out with a really good album every two or three years? Yeah, it's, it's hard to do. You know, you have the sophomore yeah. curse usually because they, they mm-hmm. got a bunch of songs See back in the back in our day, um, mm-hmm. they actually had to like play clubs and get good and you know uh, work out the material, and then you'd right. have you know, whatever ten or twelve songs, you know, eight or nine of them would make it on your first solid album, and then you got you had a tour on that album, and so the sophomore curse was you know they they're throwing together their second album with material that's all new, maybe a couple of layovers from mm-hmm. the first album, but now you can be Justin Bieber, you know, if, if, uh, Ray J or, um, you know, somebody sees you on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, Usher, mm-hmm. Usher, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, you can be famous in two days time. Right. So it's, uh, again, the, this is why it intrigued me is because the greatest hits, um, say from 10, 10 years ago backward were mm. always usually a solid compilation of yep. a band's best best work best work decade. oh my gosh and i it spoke to me as a as a music lover now i'm going to also confess that growing up we we didn't have a lot of albums and and you know during my time it would have been a cassette tape and then we kind of moved on into the cd's but whenever i think of my whenever i Think back to what were your favorite greatest hits album in my head. It's all cassette tapes and then one CD made the cut, maybe two CDs. And so I was trying to think of, did I have all of, I'm going to start with my first one right now and I'll explain my thought process. Madonna's Immaculate Collection came out in 1990 and my sister and I always had to share music. So we got the cassette tape to play on. She had one of the big 
stereos in her room and I had a jam box. So she had the great sound. I had the portable co- capabilities. Oh. So I could take it around on my bicycle or something. Or mm-hmm. while we were skating around the swimming pool. Remember how we used to do that? My mom yeah. didn't think that was dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm safe. And so distracted by your favorite songs. That's another <laughs> I'm just saying holiday <laughs> to my, as loud and my dad's rolling his eyes over there as he's mowing. Yeah. But we, we had immaculate collection. And so in my brain, which had 15 hits on it. And I'm here to tell you right now, I love every single song, even on a greatest hits album. There's some that you may skip because you just didn't prefer that album. But what I'm going to say is we did not have all of the previous Madonna albums to where you had to put it in your car or put it in your stereo. Oh, I don't like that song. And you fast forward and then you listen to the one. We didn't have that because we were told that's what the radio was for. And so we never really got to, to purchase a lot of music, but the collection or the greatest hit made sense to my parents. Right, and so we would be allowed to buy that because it, we weren't wasting our money for liking three songs on an album of 15. We liked all 15 songs and we right. would wear the cassette tape out. Right. Now I've got a, um, and it's interesting you say that because this, this theme will come up later because I've got my top three and I try to, you know, pick across several genres. I left country out just because I've I felt like you we, knew I would you knew I would represent some country. Well, then we always talk about country. So I figured I yep. would I would expand. But also I have an honorable mention and it's exactly for the reason that you just mentioned is mm. I think on the honorable mention I have, there are probably four or five really solid songs and the other ones I just probably sold well or were a good yep. B side or something, but I don't know that well. But the ones I've selected, I think, you know, there are uh, a dozen or maybe more sometimes on these albums, really mm. solid, good songs. You don't have to yes. skip tracks or anything like that. Yep. So good. Okay. So my first one is Madonna. I'm just going to run through the, do you remember Immaculate Collection? No, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a, no. <laughs> I didn't want to listen to Madonna when I was, I, I, I listened to Madonna on the radio. Okay. Um, so tell me, just tell, I'm going to run down these tracks and I want you to well, tell me. I'll know all of them. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. So we have holiday, which is just the best. Then lucky star. Mm-hmm. Do you love that? Borderline, which was a good one. Like a virgin. Didn't love it, but man, it's catchy and you did sing it. Material Girl, loved that video because that's this is also in the time where we're watching MTV music videos. Um, Crazy for You, Into the Groove, Live to Tell, oh, that was a good one. Papa Don't Preach, Open Your Heart, Lice La Bonita, Like a Prayer, Express Yourself, Cherish, and You End with Vogue. Yeah, all solid. You know every single one of those songs, and it was so great. And let me say, this is probably when I stopped listening to Madonna because I think I've told the story on the podcast before. A few, mm, 10 years ago, maybe I went to a Madonna concert. First of all, she didn't, she didn't step foot on the stage until something like 1030. And yeah, then, which I know, which I know is oh, it's a thing now, but not whenever it says doors open at seven and then people are just sitting in an arena from, you know, we got there at eight. You're sitting there from eight to ten thirty, and you haven't even seen the artist. And then she didn't sing any of her old stuff. Yeah. Did and you? So we uh, left. 
what, what is your opinion? I mean, she first of all, whatever she, whatever she's done to her face in the last couple of years is yeah. horrendous. She she's, looks horrible. She's created a look yeah. and a face. Yeah. And uh, she, I just don't think she's a very nice person. I, I've seen interviews mm-hmm. with her um, over the years um, and even recently, and she's just not a nice person. I think she... Mm-hmm. Fame has really sort of done a number on her, and uh, I think that's a shame because she's yeah. so, you know, at least through our childhood and up until I would say probably you're going to disagree with this, but about up until about ten years ago, she was culturally culturally relevant, and now she's mm. just sort of fighting mm. to be in the in the yeah. eye. I think Madonna was all about reinventing herself, and it got to, to the. Us. Yes, and it got to the point to where I didn't really care about that anymore. Right. Yeah, it wasn't, so it, wasn't, it wasn't her grinding on the stage of the MTV Music Awards when you were, you know, nine years old with your eyes yeah. wide open, going, "Holy cow, what happened?" Yeah. So tell me your first one. Okay, so my my first one is um, Tom Petty. Um, it was uh, Greatest Hits album came out in '93, mm. uh, and then there was a reissue in '08 with one more song on it. Now, oh. <laughs> this is a great, we needed to get that one more song on there. Well, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, a, um, it was stop dragging my heart around with Stevie Nicks. Mm. And that's a really interesting story because while, um, I think his name's Phil Janu or Jono, I can't remember how to pronounce it, but he was producing U2's rattle and hum back in the, uh, not rattle and hum, uh, Joshua tree back in mm-hmm. the mid eighties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Tom Petty had written with his uh, longtime guitar player, like guy's last name is Campbell. I can't think of his first name, but he had that stop dragging my heart around. And Stevie Nicks was dating Phil, Janu, whatever his name was. And um, he talked Tom Petty into recording that song with Stevie Nicks and he didn't want to do it. And uh, it turned out to be a giant hit. Oh, wow. Listen to the songs on this album. They're 18. And I'll tell you, I I did pull this up. I usually never do the Wikipedia, but Tom Petty wrote every single one of these songs. He had a couple of writing partners. So Jeff Lynn, uh, he he used to be with ELO. And then he was with uh, Traveling Wilburys. He's the guy with the puffy hair that was the drummer. Okay. And uh, Dave Stewart, who is known for being married to Annie Lennox and Eurythmics fame. Uh, and then Mike Campbell, that's it. Mike Campbell is his guitar, longtime guitar player, but he wrote every one of these. Um, but listen to these songs. I mean, you can just pop this in and start driving down the freeway. You don't have to touch the player. American Girl, mm-hmm. um, Break Down, Listen to Her Heart, I Need to Know, Refugee, Don't Do Me Like That, Even the Losers, Here Comes My Girl, The Waiting, You Got Lucky, Don't Come Around Here No More, I Won't mm-hmm. Back Down, Running Down a Dream, Free falling, learning to yep. fly, into the great wide open, Mary Jane's last dance, and then mm. stop dragging my heart around. Nice, not a bad song on there. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So anyway, I was bummed out when he passed away. Um, mm-hmm. So I think he was one of those good guys in the music business that never, his head never got big and puffy like Madonna's, literally and figuratively. <laughs> that is a good one, and that was that was one that surprised me whenever you. You sent me your list. I was surprised to see Tom Petty, but respect it. It's a good, solid greatest hits album. Is it called Greatest Hits? Tom yeah, Petty's Tom Greatest Petty's Hits. Great, yeah, Tom Petty's Greatest Hits, and it was out again. It was in, and I haven't, you know, I didn't look. Um, I didn't look uh, to see if there was any reissue since he passed away, which was I think he passed away in twenty. 
yeah, 19 or 2020. I was about to say it was pretty recent. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know if there's anything that was released since then, but um, yeah, I mean, I think the whole body of work is just phenomenal. Mm. And, and what, you know, I've been a Tom Petty fan for a long time. He's worked with a lot of other artists. He's written songs with a lot of other people. He had that traveling Wilburys, which I was a huge fan of. It was him, Jeff Lynn, um, George Harrison, uh, and uh, Bob Dylan. Uh, mm. Those are it issued or they had, I think two albums. Those are both great albums. Um, so anyway, I just, I bummed out he's gone. And, uh, I just think, like I said, that's a, a solid greatest hits album. Okay. Well, my second one still comes from the nineties. Just have a little theme here. It's Brooks and Dunn, the greatest hits collection. Yes. That's a good one. Thank you. I appreciate the affirmation. I love this album. It did have 15 or 16, tracks on it and i love 13 of the 16 and so i'll scoot down them very quickly because the reason why brooks and dunn is close to my heart is they were my college years and they were whenever you would go country dancing and if neon moon comes on you have to dance to it it's such a great two-stepping song and um of course that's on here too but also my Maria, which is also a great country dancing song. You're going to miss me when I'm gone. Boot Scootin' Boogie, mm, you know, I'll put an asterisk by it. It's very fun for people who like line dancing. But I, 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 anytime I go somewhere and you're at another wedding or one time I was at a women's conference where I was speaking and they had a dance party and they put on Boot Scoot Boogie and they said, teach us the line dance. And it was up in New Jersey and they just loved it. But I, I just remember thinking, nobody does this in Texas, but okay. I knew it. I knew how to teach it. Anyway. There's um, a, um, you know, you, I've taken you to the Broken Spoke, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they recently, you know, te- Austin is a lot different demographically than it was even when I took you there 12, 13, whatever it was, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Have we known each other that long? Holy I don't cow. know. I was just about to say, is that yeah. accurate? Okay. Yeah, it is. Um, but anyway, there's a lot more Californians here now. Mm-hmm. And uh, they tend to not appreciate the no line dancing rule. And so they, in the broken spoke, <laughs> they put up the sign. It says, no line dancing. Offenders will be sent back to California. <laughs> oh. <laughs> They just want a boot scoop buggy. Yeah. Oh, um, well, Brooks and Dunn was, speaking of ubiquitous, I mean, they won the best duo for yeah, ever. Yes, yeah. ever. Um, hardworking man's on there. That ain't no way to go. Rock my world, little country girl. Neon Moon, Lost and Found. Good song. Gosh, yeah, that's a good, a good song. song. She's not the cheating kind. Brand new man. She used to be mine. That's also a good song. Yeah. My next broken heart and whiskey under the bridge. Nice. Those are all good. Aren't I mean, they good? He, it is. And it came out in 97, which would have been smack dab my college years, my senior years when we were really going to country dancing. Well, what's your second one? My second one is Duran Duran. Oh. Who I think mm-hmm. is um, is an underrated band for a couple mm-hmm. reasons. First of all, Simon mm-hmm. LeBond has an extremely unique yep. voice. The vocal, mm-hmm. you can't imitate that. It's just nope. very unique. Um, and then they're a real band. You know, they, they were got, used to get caught up in that hair band 80s thing, but all these guys can play their instruments. Um, they're really talented musicians. Um, they just happen to have a different kind of sound and a different kind of look. They were just as much look as they were sound, but if you look at their music, um, it there it holds up over time. I don't know the last time you popped into Duran Duran mm-hmm. 
uh, tape, as they used to say, but they're good. So you have, um, is there something I should know? The reflex of you to a kill, which was from the James Bond movie, James Bond. Yes. Ordinary world, which is a great song. Uh, Mm -hmm. save a prayer, Rio hungry, like the wolf. Did did you ever read my, um, blog post about my experience with the hungry, like the wolf song? Yes. Yeah. But I don't remember what it was about. Uh, it was, uh, I ended up, uh, one night in a, in a, uh, we, we had these two girls with us, me and my buddy Ted, and, uh, they wanted to go dancing after hours. And the only place to go is this gay bar on oh, right. Congress. <laughs> and my buddy Ted and I walked up to the door and the girls just scurried in and we look and the dance floor is filled with shirtless men dancing to hungry like the wolf. Um, needless to say, it looked fun, but it was a little out of my comfort zone. So I wrote about it in the blog. Um, Girls on Film, Planet Earth, Unity of the Snake, New Moon on Monday, Wild Boys, Notorious, I Don't Want Your Love, All She Wants Is, um, Electric Barbarella, which is the only one I don't know. Um, serious, skin trained, I didn't really like that one, and then Come Undone. So out of the 19, mm-hmm. I think 16 are solid. Mm-hmm. I'll have Rio. Yeah, God, I was just picturing something on the front of his yacht, you know. Yeah, I'm in Rio. <laughs> so good. So yeah, okay. that, and that's a throwback. You know, that was that was I think you know time. That, in that's life. I mean, Duran Duran deserves that respect. Respect too. That's yeah. you really do. It is one. Whenever you think, ooh, '80s, who do you think of? Duran Duran needs to be top of mind, and it rarely is top of mind. No, they hold up, and the music, like I said, that you know the stuff doesn't sound dated. It's still relevant, and mm-hmm. you know whatever. The other thing, do you remember, um, now, now, now I can also name all of the members of Duran Duran. <laughs> Let's hear them. Uh, Simon LeBond. Yeah. Uh, his lead singer, Nick Rhodes was the, um, keyboard player, okay. Andy Taylor, John Taylor, and Roger Taylor. I think, um, John Taylor is the bass player. Roger Taylor was the drummer and Andy Taylor was the lead guitarist. Now, Andy Taylor left the band. Oh, um, scandal. and do you remember his first side project? No. He was on the soundtrack for American Anthem with Mitch Gaylord and Janet oh, Jones. Take it easy, the theme song that was his. No. Yeah, really? That was <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Another 80s movie that should come to mind immediately when you think of favorite 80s movies. Oh, that no question. So man. I remember my favorite line there because I, I have a thing for Janet Jones. Um, of course, every guy my age did back then. Mm-hmm. And I remember when Mitch Gaylord, who was about 5'1", uh, was a, a, a gold medal gymnast uh, that happened to be good looking. And so he threw him in this awful movie. And uh <laughs> Janet Jones gets in his Jeep and he goes, do you have a boyfriend? She goes, no. And he goes, you want one? And she laughs. And then the soundtrack kicks in. <laughs> that was pretty much the dialogue. And scene. <laughs> That's just about as much acting as we got in. That was his side. And then I think wow. he, played, he played with, uh, Power Station, I think, with Robert Palmer. I think that was his another project he did. He was the, the lead singer on the on some of those. You'd recognize those songs. I can't think on the top of my head, but um, he they had a couple of big hits as the Power Station. I'm pretty sure he was the mm-hmm. guitarist for that too. Very cool. Duran Duran's close to my heart. What it, what is what is the title? Greatest hits. 
Yeah, greatest hits. Yeah. Because you never know. Sometimes it's greatest hits. Sometimes it's ultimate hits. Sometimes it's the collection. But yeah. the one I'm going to do next well, actually, is great. I'm sorry. Hits. I take it back. It's it's um, uh, Decade is the name of it, but it's Decade um, and then it's Greatest Hits album or whatever. Gotcha. Awards Greatest decade. Hits. Or I think it's called Decade. Well, that's kind of what my next one is too. It's Chicago Greatest no. Hits. But no. shut up. But then it has 1989 written by it because I think Chicago is just a revolving door of yeah. a band. There's literally like 40 or 50 <laughs> But again, 89, big year for me. I feel like 86, 89, 92, 94, 97. Those were big, big years for me. And so they're 12 on this. I think it was an album of 15 and 12 where, man, my sister and I, we just, it, what's hard about Chicago is that what we love are the ballads and the, oh, well, just you've got to be like ones. back when you were, discovering them because they've been around since like the 60s right yeah yeah which is why this was greatest hits 1989 so we yeah. we have to know this is peter satira era right, that's what i was gonna say you have to be with all the ballads like he was definitely that was sort of their peak i mm-hmm. think radio play at, at yes least yes peter satira was the lead singer and the karate kid soundtrack was what i think of when i think of chicago mm-hmm. wasn't it great what was it? Glory of Love? Was that the name? What was the name of that? Yes. Oh, so good. Which is not on this because that was considered Peter Peter Cetera by himself. Ah, Not as Chicago. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this one has Hard to Say I'm Sorry, Look Away, Stay the Night, Will You Still Love Me, Love Me Tomorrow, What Kind of Man Would I Be, You're the Inspiration, Duh. I don't want to live without your love because I don't. You're a hard habit to break. Oh, boy. Along comes a woman. If she could have been faithful and we can last forever. Now, Mm. all of these make me just want to go roller skate. Yes. Um, A couple skate, you mean? Yeah. Remember when you're Where you're skating backwards and she's skating front ways and she thinks you're so cool because you know how to skate backwards. Remember when they were the guest musician on The Bachelor? Yes. <laughs> and and no one, and I mean, they're, they're literally, no Chicago, if you just look at, I mean, again, there have been, I mean, I'm not exaggerating, probably 25 members over there. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't even know who the original ones are. But, but anyway, um, when they had them on, it wasn't just some obscure artists that they were trying to launch. I mean, this is a band that had been around for 40 years mm-hmm. and none of the contestants knew who the hell they, they were. Nope. Nope. I mean, Chris Harrison did, of course, but of course, the Chris rest Harrison. of the people were going, what? Who is this? Why yeah. couldn't we get somebody more relevant? But yeah. yeah. And the thing, the thing that was smart about whoever managed or whatever label Chicago was on during the eighties is uh, they had kind of the Kenny Loggins formula for a while was just soundtrack, 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 mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. is a great way to sell records. So mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm true. not a big fan of their like uh, early like I just was never a Chicago guy, but um, yeah, I, I those songs that you mentioned, the big hits are are worth a listen. Good. Now tell me your third one. The third one's going to surprise you, mm-hmm. um, but now this is something, and I have to I have to do a little bit of a setup because um, the way I discovered this artist was through my mom's favorite um, artist of all time, and I have very few memories of anything else playing in our house when we were kids other than Elvis Presley. Mm-hmm. And so what I would do, cause my mom just listened to it nonstop was always on the record player. 
And what I would do is I would get the out, there were albums and I would look at the liner notes and I would read the cover and all that. And I would look to see who wrote the songs and Elvis covered a few Frank Sinatra songs. And again, Sinatra never wrote any of his own stuff, but I of course recognize some of the songs mm-hmm. anyway. And that sort of that thing that led me to discover Willie Nelson, Simon and Garfunkel, the Beatles. Like, I mean, I, that it all started with Elvis, but um, I remember um, uh, listening to Elvis albums and he would do, uh, you know, his sides on the stage and he would mention Frank Sinatra. And anyway, that's how I got interested in Sinatra. And I just think it's a classic, you know, he's the classic crooner. He's one of a kind, you know, chairman of the board, Frank Sinatra. And uh, he's got a bunch of greatest hits albums. So I just picked one of them with some of my favorite songs on it. Okay, let's hear it. It's uh, Strangers in the Night, which, mm-hmm. you know, again, these are all kind of standards. Uh, Summer Wind, which is one of my fir- favorite. Um, <laughs> really? It a, yeah, it was a very good year. Uh, Somewhere in Your Heart, That's Life, um, When Somebody Loves You, Softly As I Leave You. I mean, th- those are all like great ballads. And the thing about Sinatra is a lot of other guys, including Dean Martin and all of your crooners back in the day, Johnny Mercer, people like that, all recorded these songs. But there was just something about Sinatra's phrasing and his his voice that kind of made it his own. And that's one reason why I really liked Sinatra. Uh, I really was surprised that Elvis wasn't on your list. But now, I don't, I don't again, you're branching out. Again, Sinatra, again, just Sinatra was unique and kind of yeah. you know, it was his time and whatever. But he didn't write his own songs. But Elvis just, again, Elvis was my kind of gateway into country music and to mm-hmm. this kind of stuff and the Beatles and all that, because he, he covered everything. Elvis was just and gospel too. I mean, I, was, yeah. I would never have listened to gospel the way I did um, if it wasn't for Elvis. And so, um, you know, that, that to me makes him the King, you know, just because mm-hmm. he was, Elvis loved music and he not always good, but he always recorded songs that he loved. And uh, that, that, for me anyway, as a, as a child help. I mean, it, it just instructed every place I ever went with music and opened yeah. a bunch of doors for me. So anyway, maybe yeah. I should have picked Elvis cause we're talking about him. <laughs> <at Elbow. laughs> well, he's, he's on your, you know, your miscellaneous that we're not going to be able to get to talk to now, who's talk about. Name? Uh, my next one is, was a really good one. It was Whitney Houston's greatest hits, the double disc. Ooh, there was album. a double disc. That came out into, it came out in 2000, the year 2000 of our Lord. And so double disc album means, you know, we had a lot of superfluous stuff on there. And I think it was a way for people to say, look, Whitney Houston is more than just the 80s and 90s. Um, so they're, they have a lot of her duets and a lot of towards the end of her life stuff on there. And sadly, I didn't like that. But let me tell you, just think of every Whitney Houston song that you know and love. And it's on these albums, including Exhale, um, which is the Shoop Shoop song, and anything from the Bodyguard soundtrack, it made it on here too. So that was exciting. But let me tell you what made this album was track 17, on the B-side, which was her singing the Star-Spangled Banner at the Super Bowl. You know, I was going to actually, it's funny you say it. It's not funny because it's, it's 
the truth. I, I um, to this day, um, I have never heard it done better nope. than that. I mean, agreed. What I love about it is that you can go watch it on YouTube. I'll leave a, I'll leave the link in the show notes, but you can go watch her on YouTube. She's kind of in a white sweatsuit a little bit. I mean, it's 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 cute and it's blinged out, but she's not showing boobs. She's not fancy and she has like a white headband on. She looks really pretty in the face, but you know, Whitney was all about the she sweat a lot and she got into it and she is singing this song. And it's the end that gets you because so many people, you know, can't hit that high note. And she does. And I think there was maybe a flyover that happened at the same time. But it it just transcends time. And I don't, it makes me sad for the Star Spangled Banner because I don't know if anybody will be able to do it justice yeah. as she did i, don't I mean, think there was a lot of patriotism going on too in the world at that time so we were all very um excited and honored and respected the star spangled banner at that time but man it was it was amazing and i was overjoyed and blown away that it was actually on the cd What about, um, I have another tie-in. Um, did you know that her mother, Sissy Houston, was a member of the Sweet Sensations? The Sweet Sensations were background singers for you know who? Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley. Yes. Yeah. So, and her well, aunt, Dionne Warwick. Well, yes, that's right. <laughs> tie-in. Um, and that was also, when she did that, that was before she had that awful reality show where she sort of, mm-hmm. sort of just, I think, to me, ruined her entire persona yeah. and reputation. I mean, that was not good for the family. Um, but yeah, you're right. That was at the, it doesn't get any better than that. That was at the height of her mm-hmm. career and all that Power. stuff. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I will agree with you. That's a good pick. It's a good one. It was a good one. Now you tell me, you said you had a runner up. Yeah. You know, or an honorable a, mention. It's a band that I really, really respect. Um, and it's a unique band and you're going to laugh at this now. Um, because you wouldn't expect me to be bumping around in my car listening to this on my own. But the Go-Go's. No. <laughs> well, and let me tell you why. See, that's your reaction. That's most people's reaction. But great. the Go-Go's were the first all-girl band to write all their own songs and play their own instruments. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big, like, I'm a big social distortion fan. Like, I, I like punk music. And they started out as a punk band and they toured and toured and toured until they figured out that if they slowed down some of their songs and sort of polished them up a little bit, that they were actually pop songs. Mm. And so, um, you know, I mean, I always had a crush. I've mentioned this on your podcast to a crush on Belinda Belinda. Carlisle. But Jane Wheedland and um, I think uh, – Kathy was her last name. I can't remember. Cindy or Kath, no, Kathleen with Valentine was the other one, but they all wrote their, their songs. And, um, Jane Wheedland was the, was the writer for all of them. She was the guitar player with the short hair, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, they were, there was such a diversity in income because two of them, well, three of them were really writing all the songs and getting paid 
millions of dollars when the drummer and Belinda Carlisle were making, you know, probably pretty good show business money, but not, not that um, much. Yeah. Royalties. Yeah. And so that's what really screwed up the band. Our lips are sealed on there. Um, We got the beat head over heels. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. And so this is the one where there's, you know, a bunch of other songs like cool jerk was, I don't, that wasn't one of theirs. I didn't like that, but you've got these other ones called beatnik beach. You thought I'm the only one, this town lust for love and mercenary. Do you know any Mm -hmm. of those? I don't know those. No. Yeah. So that, that again, like those are probably good sellers or songs that they may have been fond of, but this is a, it's a greatest hits album with all the songs you would expect to be on there and a bunch more that I just don't know. Right. And right. I was, I would consider myself a fan of this band just because I thought they were, again, all, all, all female band played their own instruments, wrote their own songs and, and made it big in Southern California in the, in the eighties. Mm, that's awesome. I but had a couple of honorable mentions too, that I wanted to put on the list, but we don't have all the time in the world. But one of mine was sort of like that, where it was um journey. They, they felt very Chicago esque with the, any so my journey greatest hits was the Steve Perry era, but they yep. had everything that you would imagine on there. I also Prince was on there. Remember yeah. he came out with the compilation and then it was a side B compilation. So it was also two, it wasn't two discs. It was two separate CDs that came out at two different times. I think they were months apart or something. But it was also very Whitney Houston esque, where it was everything you wanted and then prints that they were trying to make you like so they put half of the good stuff and then half of the stuff they wanted you to like on the first one and then half of the good stuff and then half of the stuff they wanted you to like on the second one so it was probably half of that one I liked and half of that one I liked yep and and then um I also liked the Garth Brooks hits CD I liked everything on that it was I remember his face it looked like an American flag on his face or something like that. that But was he, was he Chris Gaines at that point? No, he was not Chris Gaines, Gaines and Chris Gaines was not allowed on this album. We don't speak about Chris Gaines. Um, so um, I also have a, a surprise because I didn't share this with you, but uh, uh-huh. I did a little research because it occurred to me, as I said earlier, that some, some greatest hits albums don't make any sense. <laughs> so I pulled the nine most unnecessary worst greatest hits albums of all time. And they're really funny. So I I would love to hear this. Okay. And these are in order by the way. Okay. So Uh, number nine. nine, And the the titles say it all. Number nine, (laughs) the best of vanilla ice. Oh, (laughs) are there, are there three songs on there? Exactly. (laughs) Let me, I mean, I size baby, obviously stop the train. I want to get off. Is that, is that Vanilla Ice? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't think I've ever heard that. Um, you want to hear number eight? It's even yes. better. Yes. And now this is the full title of the album. <laughs> the Best of Nelson, the Millennium Collection. <sighs> Nelson yes. has a very six album. That's awesome. Now tell people who Nelson is. Were, They're Ricky are. Nelson's. Ricky Nelson, twin sons. twin sons, and they had. I mean, I can only think of one song that was horrible. They're blonde, right? They're like beach yeah, they blonde. Like, they like, they look, both of them look like Daryl Hannah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Next one. This one is uh, close to my heart here. Aaron Carter, and the name of the album is oh. 
most requested hits. <laughs> oh, Aaron, we need to pray for him. He's not doing great. I'm just going to okay. keep going. The next. Keep going. The best of Color Me Bad. Oh, I adore Mia Moore. Good. I'm glad what, they what, have a best. Oh, I want to sex you up was that one yeah. song. Yeah, that's the only Oh, one. I didn't like that one. I liked I Adore. No, this one made number five on the list. However, I got to tell you, I disagree with this. <gasps> okay. Tone Loke, Wild <laughs> Thing, and Other Hits. <laughs> he I had the one other hit. No, he had Funky Cole Funky Medina. Funky Cole Medina and Wild Thing were his two hits. Yeah. The end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that does belong on the list. So it's like a cassette single with one on one side and one on the other. Exactly. Now this one, I don't think we should pick on because we've gotten some bad news about this guy lately, but uh, oh. I still think it deserves a, a mention here. Bruce Willis, mm. Master Series. Mm. Remember he had mm-hmm. that whole Bruno thing going, which was just totally self-indulgent. <laughs> I mean, it was just a self-congratulatory, just circle <laughs> on his part. <laughs> he can play a harmonica, and I respect it. Fair enough. Okay, okay. N- number three. I also disagree with this because this guy's actually pretty talented, albeit obnoxious. Forevermore, the greatest hits of John Tesh. Oh, hey, he needs some recognition. Okay. D- yeah. Hmm. Mm, okay. All right. Now, now, uh, now I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you to think of more than one track on this next uh, <laughs> compilation. Okay. The best of Young MC. Mm, mm, uh, mm. So we have Bust a Move. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> you took mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. The end. Yeah, and then finally, the okay. number one of all time. The best of Shaquille O'Neal. What? <laughs> yes. What? What does that even mean? I, I don't. I don't. I guess he he's sings? a rapper. He was a rapper. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So, Are they talking about the Space Jam movie? Was he I have in no that? idea. I, mean, I don't. I mean, I just, <laughs> just a list. <laughs> I mean, and, and the funny part is, like, when we started off with Vanilla Ice, you thought, "Well, that's ridiculous." But now that we've gotten to the end of the list, you think, "Well." I yeah, I mean, Vanilla Ice might actually deserve in this company. <laughs> really? I'm glad he made number nine. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think there were two. There were two or three songs on the Vanilla Ice tape, which I did have because yeah. back in the day, the lyrics came inside the tape jacket, yeah. and so that's how you could memorize Ice Ice Baby. Otherwise, how are you even supposed to know what he's saying? Exactly. Well, mm-hmm. to the point to the point to the point I'm making, um, <laughs> there was a time when he was cooking MCs like a pound of bacon. <laughs> <laughs> She's a good girl, loves her mom, loves Jesus in America too. She's a good girl, it's crazy about Elvis. Loves horses and her boyfriend too. Hey, thank you all for listening. And thanks to some guy in Austin for really taking me back to some good musical memories. Man, that was fun. And a big thank you to those of you who messaged me after listening last week, offering suggestions for our next love story installment. You have some great ones that I haven't even considered that I've forgotten about. 
We will be back with those in the upcoming episodes. Y'all are rock stars for helping me out and listening to the end of the podcast. No one ever does. It's like I'm talking to myself, but I'm not. But if you do listen all the way through and you're still with me, you know that one of the best things you can do to support a podcast is to review the show on iTunes. It would be an honor if you headed over there and left us your thoughts. Make sure to follow me on all the socials. You can find me at Lindsay on Twitter and at Lindsay Ray on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to check out my real books, Why I Hate Green Beans and It's a Love Story. You can find them wherever books are sold. Y'all stay safe, have courage, and be kind out there. Until we're together again, love you, mean it. Texas forever. Standing in the shed.